Hello there, my good friends. There is change on the wind, I think, though it is still a little more cold than I would like it to be. I am at peace with it, since things are still growing. This little cold cannot stop the trees from growing green and the blossoms from turning pink. Things are still moving as they should be. I do not worry for a second about that. I hope it's all right with you if I move on from where we left off last week. I was able to crawl out of the pit, of course, because I can do anything in my own forest, which is where you find yourself now, incidentally, just in case this is the first time you've ever listened to this podcast. Only after my companion was able to find her way to safety, of course. She is still voyaging. Ever on and on, don't you worry about her. Not even for a moment. The forest is quiet again. A little warmer than it would normally be on a misty spring evening like tonight, because of all these little torches I keep seeing here. I have not had a pleasant reunion with he who lights them, of course, because he is shy and probably confused being only recently reborn. But it is nice to know that he is here somewhere, anyhow. Lighting little lights all around to keep me warm and remind me I am not alone. That is nice. Perhaps if I keep speaking aloud, he'll hear my voice on the wind and feel the same way. The same way that I hope you feel, too, my friends. Let us get right to the card I drew this week from my tarot deck. Things are growing here because it is springtime, but I am not always quite sure what exactly it is that is growing. The forest keeps changing, but those changes are undetectable until it's too late, and then suddenly all the trees are different. All the flowers, the grass, the creatures... It grows so fast that I barely recognize it, day after day. Perhaps that is as it must be in a place that is alive. But the mist through the woods this week is especially different. I like it. It makes me want to change, to adapt to suit it better. I yearn to change, but into what? I forgot. I said I would get right to the card. Let's return to the cards. I asked them, What is growing here? What must I grow? How must I grow? As I shuffled the cards, I could feel the growing happening all around me, slowly, languidly, sluggishly. The sound of vines sliding over moist earth. The sound of trees groaning with new weight on their branches. But the mist was too thick to see what exactly it was that was growing. So I kept asking my cards until they answered me. I pulled out the page of pentacles, reversed. I took offense at first, because, you see, 
This page represents sloth. Foolishness. A lack of drive, lack of focus. Procrastination. Laziness, even. Laziness of all things. How dare you? But I got over that offense because it is true. I long to bask in the sun like a great cat in a field of green grass. I desire to snack on berries and sweet things all day until I fall asleep. I wish I could move so slowly that one moment could last for an entire lifetime. And in that lifetime, I would not be afraid that I have abandoned the world, or abandoned my own motivation, or abandoned those I care about. I would have a light heart and heavy eyelids. That is what I desire, sometimes. So, that is what is growing here. That is what I must grow here. That is how I must grow. Or so the cards tell me. Perhaps that is well. I long to change the world for the better, and what better act of rebellion than to completely reject industry, completely turn my back to work, completely deny any value of a world that asks me to move faster, faster, faster. I am not entirely sure what it means, but I know that I want to change, and perhaps this is what I want to change into, deep down. Let me tell you a story. Maybe a story will clear up a few things. How I feel. How I want to feel. How I want to make you feel. We're together in this forest, after all. Even if it is mine, I continue to welcome you here. I say that a lot, don't I? Just as he who lights the torches is welcome here, too. You're welcome, you hear me? I'm sure he does. There was once a long, narrow river that ran from a wild ocean, through treacherous mountains, through dangerous woods, and right through a little valley. In this little valley there lived a people. They were quite like most other people at the time, only they lived in this little valley far from anything else, and they mostly kept to themselves. They had their own ways and their own customs, as people do, and they were happy in them. Perhaps they moved a little more slowly than the people who lived in the big cities far away from them, and perhaps they liked this about their life. Perhaps they liked what they had which is what the people in the big cities far away might call boring. Early morning sunrises where old fishermen would sit on the main bridge, hoping to catch breakfast. The little group of schoolchildren and their one teacher eating lunch in their garden. The marketplace closing down in the afternoon before everyone went home to dinner. Little torches lit in their front yards, so that everyone knew that everyone was all right as the night grew darker, the river running slowly and calmly, as always, 
constantly babbling in their ears at all times, keeping everyone gentle and calm and happy. And perhaps they had a little secret, a reason that the river ran so gently, a reason that the wolves from the woods never came to their streets, a reason that the rain always came on time and the crops never dried out, a reason that the cattle and the hens and the sheep were always happy, healthy, and generous with their milk, eggs, and wool. And that secret was the witch of the riverside. Well, that name was incorrect, but she liked it all the same. She did not live on the riverside. No one knew where she came from. And she wasn't a witch, but it was the closest word the town had for her. So she didn't mind that either. Perhaps once, long ago, she was a witch. But she was so ancient now vibrating with a power that this world was not used to having visited it so frequently as she pleased to, that she was beyond such a title now. She might be a goddess, for they worshipped her in a way, but that word meant little to her either. She didn't want adoration. She didn't want tribute. She didn't want prayers. All she wanted was to be heard. No one could ever plan for her appearance. She did not operate on a schedule, at least not one anyone could understand. Sometimes she'd appear on a full moon, sometimes a new moon. Sometimes it would be once a week, and then the village could go for a year without seeing her. Sometimes it would be on the day of a birth or a death. But the only thing really consistent about her appearance was that it only ever occurred at night. Everyone would be in their beds, sound asleep, the noise from the river lulling them off into their usually very pleasant dreams. But, mingling with the sound of the river, sometimes they would hear her music. Entranced and unable to control themselves, everyone, no matter how young, how old, how tired, or how busy they were, everyone would come down to the side of the river. And there she would be. They saw her eyes on the horizon before the rest of her. Little, glowing yellow points, approaching through the mist, through the shadows, standing on a little rowboat, an ancient thing made of rotting wood covered in moss and seaweed and dried flowers and little animals' bones that rattled with her music. It rowed itself. Its huge oars moved very, very slowly and in rhythm with the distant music. It came from nowhere. She played no instruments. She didn't even open her mouth to sing. But one could hear her unmistakable song, roaring out across the water. And on her little boat, she moved her feet to the melody. 
what a sight she was then. Dressed in the mildewed and torn remnants of a lacy gown someone on the riverside gave her once as a gift. Once white and now grey and green, just like the rest of her. She danced, her feet light as air and her hands graceful as the water she glided on. She spun wildly and moved her hips and her shoulders in such a way that everyone was put under her spell instantly. I said she was grey and green, but that is not entirely correct. It's more that she took on whatever color the river tended to reflect back to her. If it was particularly muddy, or coated in ice, or covered in flowers, that was how she chose to be, too. Kind of like me in my forest, no? She was not lovely. She was not pretty. She was not charming. But she was beautiful. Especially to them. As she danced on the river, her music echoing forth, the people would sing along to her disembodied voice, for though she was loud and quite happy to sing and chant and hum, it did not come from her throat, but rather from the river. They too would dance, her people of the river. They could not help it, for she called them out of their beds and down to the river to listen to her and observe her. She wanted to be heard. She wanted them to hear her call and come to her. Not to obey, but rather to make fine company for her. She was lonesome without them. And so, if they danced particularly beautifully with her, or if they sang in a lovely way with her song, she would reward them. Perhaps she had gold from the deep within the riverbed. Perhaps she had fine things from a shipwreck far away. Perhaps she could simply blow a kiss to the land, and the crops would produce twice as much food as they normally would have. But she was generous with her gifts. If a person brought a fiddle, or a guitar, or a harmonica, or a flute down to the river to join her, oh, she would dance all the more wildly, muddy tears running down her face in an ecstatic joy. And everyone else would call out their joy and gratitude in return, and dance with her. These nights would seem to last forever for everything slowed down. The river moved like molasses, so that she could see everyone, and they could see her, for as long as she wished it. It seemed an eternity before the sun would come up. It is not that she had the power to slow down the earth turning or to slow down the currents of the river. 
It's that her connection with her people was so strong that altogether they could open their eyes and their hearts just wide enough to experience everything so fully, so openly, so thoroughly, that it seemed the night would never end. If they all agreed to it, and they all focused on only the dance, only the music, which they did, by the way. They were drawn by the music, sure, but she held no real chains on anyone. Once they arrived at the river, they could stay or go, but never did anyone who looked upon her decide to take their gaze away from her. Not until her boat drifted away, ever so slowly, out of view, as the sun finally came up. Then it was easy enough, it seemed, for time to bend to their wishes. The people. All of them. And the witch of the riverside. Now, as the world changes, so too do these strange and unexplainable events. As the world grows more and more brilliant and intelligent and full of new man-made wonders, these ancient wonders have more to compete with, you see. And that is well. Or at least it would be well if any of them could match that feeling of dancing by the riverside. But the problem was, truly, that it became more difficult to hear her. It became more difficult to hear the river. A hundred years passed, and now some people could no longer hear her when she came. If their house was too far or too noisy to hear the river rumbling at night, they wouldn't hear her approach, and so they did not come to see her. She perhaps began to become a little dismayed more and more when she would decide to visit the riverside with her little boat and her dancing feet, and fewer and fewer of her people would come to join her. She was sad that so few could be full of the joyful gratitude that moved her feet. But she moved them anyway, and treasured all the more those who came to her, and she heaped her blessings on them all the more still, and so their farms prospered, their livestock thrived, and they had gifts aplenty to keep them comfortable, those who remained faithful to her. But another hundred years passed, and someone had built a railway nearby. So sometimes she would arrive, her music echoing over the river's surface. But the train would be going by too, and so even fewer people came to the river's edge. And the smoke from the train infected her river, and her voice was gray and smoky like its engine and her skin was a strange pale gray, sick color, just like the water in the river. But she didn't mind. She was still very strong. Very, very strong and very, very ancient. The light in her eyes never diminished, even if they were a little sad and quite angry now. Still, she sang and danced, 
and slowed time down for those who heard her. And they danced all the more ecstatically, for they had her all to themselves, and they felt they must protect these moments at all costs. But another hundred years passed, and now most of her faithful had died away. And the railway was busier and busier, taking people to and from places where they worked hard and sweat buckets, and came home to noisy machines in their homes and crowded streets now. And they fell into such deep and dreadfully noisy sleeps that they never heard her approach any more. No one. Barely anyone visited the river at all anymore. And when she sang her song and came across the river in her little boat and saw that no one had heard her, no one had come down to the river to witness her, she burned inside. She had offered her gifts to her people, you see. She had offered her blessings, not least of which was the blessing of a night full of music and dancing that never ended, of course, and perhaps greatest of which was the celebration of a beautifully healthy and active river which had had all of its breath choked out of it now. She had offered the grace in her feet and hands, the brightness of her eyes, the excitement in her song. But she slowed time down. And time cost money in this new village she barely recognized anymore. She sat on her little boat as it drifted down the river. She tried to think, but she was not good at thinking, my dears. She was good at moving. She was good at singing. She was good at enjoying. She hated thinking, in fact. She should not have to do this. They should have come to her. How dare they not have come to her? She would make them remember. For the first time in perhaps a thousand years, her boat pulled itself ashore, and she set foot on land. The witch of the riverside went for a walk. Her feet left lingering wet footprints on the cement, footprints that would never be erased, in fact. Step by step, she made a rhythm with her walk, and her voice echoed out into the streets. She surprised herself, for she always thought that it was the river that had been magical. She smiled at the realization that it was her own immense will her immense will to celebrate, even if that celebration occurred out of spite. She sang the celebration of herself through the streets. Perhaps some people's eyebrows twitched in their sleep, thinking they'd heard something. Perhaps a baby heard her and cried in the night. 
Perhaps a dog howled along with her. But mostly, nothing happened. And her bright and shining eyes wept tears that were not mud any longer, but now were smoke that fell away into the air and drifted from her face, trailing behind her. She sang louder, and her accompanying music, which she had thought was her boat and its ancient bones and plants and wood from a time where magic existed in these things so very easily, joined her. It was in her feet this whole time. Her feet that burned against this coarse ground she had never felt before. Louder and louder her steps grew, and she started to dance to her own song. Now everyone woke up, perhaps annoyed, perhaps a little frightened, but her voice was still softer than their machines, and so they did not go outside to greet her. Some may have even turned their television sets up a little more loudly, or turned up their music on their little screens in their hands, or returned to whatever work was on their computer screen. She was furious now. Her steps grew so loud that it seemed she was stomping on the pavement. The music shrieked on the breeze now, so terrible and so loud and so undeniably sumptuous, as the words echoed across every electronic device anyone had, television, computer, phone, otherwise, in her voice, sang over and over, the river, the river, the river, and her voice raised itself so loudly in song, so beautifully, so angrily, louder than she'd ever been, that with one long high note, she shattered all of the glass in the entire place. Buildings full of people, high towers of buildings with identical little homes within them, all had their television sets break, all had their computers shatter, all had their phones split apart. Nighttime workplaces grew completely dark as light bulbs exploded and music rang out through them so loudly that people clasped their ears close to their skulls and screamed in return. And the whole place went dark. Of course there was chaos. Of course it was not all pleasant dancing and goodness and blessings. The people had become reliant on many of these things. But she was angry, and they had forgotten about her. But it worked. One by one, the people had heard her, you see, and all who had heard her call made their way to the river. 
They didn't need light to find the way. In the silence of a screenless night, they could hear the river again. And they followed the sound. And the sight they saw there was a dreadful one indeed. She stood on her little rowboat in the middle of the river. It did not move. The wind did not blow. Or if it did, it did very slowly. The river was babbling and rumbling and roiling, but so very slowly that its sound was slowed down to a low roar, terrible and frightening. They all stood before her, hundreds of people, maybe thousands, more than she had ever seen at the river before. They had all heard her call, and so they could not deny her what she craved. Their ears and their feet. Slowly, she began to stomp her feet again to her ancient song. Faster and faster it grew, until she was dancing her merry dance again. Now, there are two endings to this story. In the first ending, she dances all night, and the people move and sway with her, and they find joy again with her. They lament their wasted years, not having heard her song. They repent. They swear to make it all a little less noisy, for the reward of the night with no time was so wondrous that they knew they never wanted to miss another one like it. They swear to clean the river, to change their land, to change their lives, so that the witch of the riverside could be even more beautiful again, and bless them with more music, more non-time, less work, less noise, less worry, in turn. But even if they honored their word, Within time, of course, the land would forget her again. In time. And there would be no more nights with no time. And there would be no more song from the river. And she would weep and wail until the end of time with no one to hear her. In the second ending, she dances all night. It is a dance more hypnotic and powerful than any other they'd ever seen. The music is more commanding and haunting than any other they'd ever heard. They listen to her voice, and they watch her feet as both told a story of a people who betrayed their own hearts so badly that they despaired and accepted their terrible fate. Their terrible fate which was to forever dance by the river with this terrible, vengeful god of bliss, who hated work and adored decadence. She no longer rewarded them with blessings of riches and plenty. Her only gift now was celebration, celebration to the point of torture, to the point of madness, and eventually to the point of death. They had denied her their joy for so long that she demanded it now. 
and she was still beautiful to them. But she was also everything to them. Life, death, torment, and reward. And so, it mattered little what they thought of her. Maybe there is a third ending. What do you think? I said that I longed to change, and I think I do indeed. I long to change. I am tired of being like a spider. I feel I am too close to what I was a long time ago, and I would like to be something new. I would like to be the third ending to this story. Yes. Yes, yes, that is it. I would like to be the river spirit. The witch of the riverside. A god of delight and music and joy. And the enemy of working so hard that you can't hear the sound of water. I feel my hair growing and curling all about me like coiling snakes, but not that, more like vines, perhaps, twisting down and down to where my feet are, bare and dirty again, like they were when I first found myself in this forest, except that they seem to be stained with crushed berries, or grapes, or flower petals just like my fingertips also are, and I'm certain my lips are, for I've been eagerly plucking them from my hair and popping them into my mouth and squishing them under my toes this whole time, for no reason other than that I wanted to. Spiders work and work and work all day long, creating intricate and marvelous things, but they do not take the time to see what it feels like to step on grapes or taste the sweetness of berries or roll around in soft grass for days on end. Pretend that I am the witch of the riverside. I will. Tonight I will, for I shall walk down to the river tonight and wash my feet in it. I will dance and sing so loudly that I'll be sure to attract someone to the riverside who will come and join me. With all the screens and speakers shattered, it won't be hard to hear me. Someone will come, and they will dance and sing with me. Is it you? Will you come? Will you choose that third ending? Hello 
friends, and thank you so much for listening in tonight to episode 143 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your host, creator, writer, podcaster, performer, team of one behind the show, Kristen Zaza. I hope that May is treating you kindly. I'd like to send a big thank you this week to a dear listener, Rennie A., who updated their iTunes review of the show last week after episode 142. Rennie, thank you as always for your very kind words. It means so much to me, and it means a lot that episode 142 really resonated with you. So thank you for sharing. If you'd like to support the show in a similar way, leaving a review on iTunes is a really big help to podcasters like me, so head on over and leave a rating and a review. Again, that can be on iTunes or maybe on my Facebook page or wherever else you like to leave podcast reviews. You can also support by following the show on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and on my Facebook and YouTube pages just under the name on a dark cold night. If you're interested in supporting the show in a different way, you can check out my Patreon page where every patron of the show receives access to my constantly updated soundtrack. Learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd prefer to make a one-time donation without the soundtrack perk, you can donate any amount of metaphorical coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And finally, I also have t-shirts and hoodies for the podcast available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Thank you, thank you as always for listening tonight. I'm going to dig into the reversed page of pentacles, I think because I saw the word lazy and it set off a panic in me, because that was always my greatest fear. I can't be lazy, I can't be lazy, I have to work hard, keep working, keep working, that sort of thing. But I truly meant it earlier when I said that perhaps this card is an act of rebellion. So rebel, if you would like to join me tonight, by refusing to worry about anything, by refusing to work on anything else, by refusing to do anything else but whatever will bring you the most joyful gratitude and the most grateful joy you can tonight. Good night, my friends. Thank you for bringing me grateful joy and joyful gratitude. Sweet dreams. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.